Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Well, happy Halloween, my friends. That's right. This is the big weekend for the kids to go out and get their candy and get their teeth rotted out. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, those days have gone by, that's for sure. Hey, welcome to this week's show of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors with Danny Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer. Sam Schmitz is on the boards, as usual, and we're happy that you're uh, joining us this morning. And if you want to, you know, have any, if you have any questions or comments, all you got to do is call us at 799-1250. That's 414 414- Seven nine nine twelve fifty, and uh, if you if you don't want to be on the radio, then you can always email us live at CEO Guys at Yahoo dot com. And speaking of dialing four one four seven nine nine twelve fifty, you got to remember nowadays you have if you di- if you're dialing a four one four from a four one four area code, you have to dial the four one four first. Anyway, good morning, Danny. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. Good morning, Tom. Yeah, uh, what, what the heck are you talking about with the area code thing? Yeah, if you have a 414 number yeah. and you're calling a 414 number, you have yeah. to dial the 414 first now. Well, I've always done that on my cell phone. Oh, well, I you know, you never had to. You didn't have before. to with the landline when I used to have a landline, you know, no, 20 even years on ago. on your cell phone, you didn't have to. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, but they 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 it's been in the news a lot lately, you know, letting people know that you gotta dial the four one four first now. So, so okay. in case anybody dials the seven nine nine twelve fifty number and they get a a sound that sounds like doo doo doo, you know, a high pitched sound, that means well you gotta hang up and dial again only with the four one four first. So. Doesn't it? Uh, shouldn't it just give you a little recording that says area code must be dialed? Yeah, I'm sure it does. I've never listened that far. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've forgotten several times. You know, like this morning when I was, you know, calling into the show, I forgot to dial the four one four first, and I got that high pitched noise, and I, well, I hung up right away, and I, you know, dialed it with the four one four. But hey, we got some emails. Okay, let's go. Okay, last week. Uh, this email came in just as the show was ending. We didn't have time to read it. It's from James. He says, I was just at Fletcher. Remember, we were talking about ammunition. Yes. And he said, I was just at Fletcher Arms in Waukesha, and they have 22 long rifle, 22 WMR, 9 millimeter, and 45 ACP. Also, some shotgun in 12 gauge and 410 gauge good luck so that was at fletcher arms in waukesha so anyway that was nice of him to write us also this one comes from neil 
Neil says, hey, guys, I listen every week and love the show. What are some of the best fishing books that you guys recommend? Also, I enjoy it when you guys occasionally talk about your favorite restaurants. How about a CEO guy's restaurant of the week or month? <laughs> Just a thought. Thanks for doing the show every week from Neil. And my favorite book, I mean, well, he did, uh, I mean, f- favorite fishing book. My favorite fishing book was uh, Time on the Water by Bill Gardner. But I, you know, looked on uh, eBay. You can find a couple of those books on eBay. One was a little over $100, and one was $156. So they're harder to find, and they're not cheap if you do find them. So, Yeah, as far as, uh, as, far as myself, I really don't have a fishing book that I can look at and say I, I really liked it. Uh, if we expand the horizons into just outdoor books in general... Um, I would say um, one book, uh, Man is the Prey, uh, was Outdoor Life Book Club. Um, my, bro- my dad had it, and it was long lost, and my brother found one on Amazon, I think about, I don't know how many, 20 years, whenever Amazon first came out. And it's basically about man-eating, uh, history of man-eating uh, animals from lions to tigers and it's got all the interesting stories about the man eaters that uh, Jim Corbett the hunter uh, had to hunt down in India yeah. and uh, I believe it was Colonel Patterson the man eating lions of Savo so that was a great overall book if you're into the outdoors um, and then um, I guess uh, the other book that I've enjoyed um, I there's there was a book by Jack O'Connor I forget the name but hunting books by Jack O'Connor I always enjoyed so yeah, no really favorite uh, hunting book, however, I mean fishing book. Well, there was one other favorite fish, fishing book I had, and that was the book uh, Let's Go Fishing by Tom Neubauer. Oh, but, yeah, oh, yeah. But then again, oh. but then again well, I, I saw one on eBay, and it was uh, $20, so... <laughs> Just, just think, Tom, how much more that would be worth with your signature on it. Oh, that, one's, that one has my signature. I had given it. Well, it's really weird. It, it says the book is uh, inscribed or autographed, inscribed. And, you know, on eBay you can blow up the areas, certain areas that they take pictures of. So I blew up the area where there's uh, writing. And it said to Sue and Jim, best wishes and fishes, Uncle Tom. <laughs> I gave it to my niece and nephew-in-law. And I don't know if they gave it to somebody in Illinois, because it was from Illinois where the book was at. I don't know if they gave it to them and they never got it back, or if they sold it and now this person is selling it. I don't know. I just thought it was funny, you know. You know, back to our first email from James about ammo, and I did mention that uh, Nick last week, I think, had let us know, and we've talked about it. you know, now it's it's really getting down to crunch time. And, uh, I, you know, it's interesting. I'm looking at, uh, you know, these outdoor hunting magazines, and I'm holding one in my hand right now, and here's an ad for Hornady Precision Hunter Ammo. Uh, there's another ad for Remington Ammo and all the different ammo marks. I'm thinking, these guys don't even need to put an ad for their ammo anymore because people will buy whatever ammo they can find at this point, <laughs> yeah. whatever's on the shelves in their caliber. If it's a decent, you know, you know, not not a full metal jacket or something goofy like that, 
uh, they're going to buy it for hunting. So right now it's, uh, it's the crunch time. So we appreciate our listeners, uh, you know, letting, letting us know so we can let other listeners know where maybe they can pick up a box of turdy turdy shells. Yeah. Yeah. Like that one at Fletcher Arms, it didn't show any rifle ammunition, you know, so. 22 long rifle for some people, which even that has at times been kind of hard to find. Although when I was at Midwestern, I'm pretty sure they had some there this summer. I think they just had like a kind of a limit on how much you can buy. Uh, uh, Good news is, you know, I think I mentioned this previous show, Remington Ammunition. uh, Remington had gone, uh, had, you know, gone bankrupt again. They've gone several times, but they've been bought out by Federal. And uh, they're in full swing making Remington ammo, and as far as basic hunting ammo, deer, deer hunting ammo, big game hunting ammo, the Remington Corlocked is probably the standard by which all others are compared with, without going into a premium, premium type bullet that, that used to be for hand loaders that are now made as well. But the Remington Corlocked was pretty reliable, and, and they're making them full speed ahead. It's nice because the folks at Remington said, they're not going to be, you know, Federal Ammunition Part 2. They're going to continue with the Remington line. So that's good news, and hopefully we can get more of the uh, Remington ammo in the green box back on the shelves. Yeah. When are you going to uh, are, are you going to tell us your uh, stories about your trip down to Florida? Oh, sure, but I was letting you go through all the emails. Yeah, well, th- that was it, yeah. That that was it? Yeah, the, the one was you know, done before the show ended last week, and then one was during the week. Because every now and then somebody will send one during the week, and then I just email them back and say, uh, you know, I'll read it on the show next week. So, Gotcha. Good. Well, yeah, the trip down there, uh tell you the weather was pretty beautiful for most days. Uh, a little windy and cloudy um, on Thursday, the last day. It was pretty incredible, the, the, the waves coming in. We had a condo right on the beach in Navarre. It's actually an island uh, right in Navarre, Florida, right next to a uh, fishing pier. Kind of interesting. They got the pier there and a nice little beach bar and then the bait shop. And you can go, you pay a dollar if you just want to go walk on the pier. For $7, you can go fish. And I think for about 16 or 17, you can get uh, a rod and reel and rental. And it's interesting if you do that and fish, if you pay to fish on the pier, it actually includes your license for the day. You don't have to. You don't have to uh, go buy a license separately. So I mean, that's pretty great as far yeah. as I'm concerned. You know, you just they give you. They in fact, I didn't fit. I did not fish, but I don't even think they uh, take your name, ad, all that stuff. I think they just give you a receipt to carry in your pocket. I'm guessing. I'm guessing if the uh, conservation, if they're, you know, we got our DNR there, they got their whatever they call it, fish and wildlife down there. If they're as greedy as our DNR is, they're going to probably get a piece of the pie. So my my guess is that every guy that probably buys that, you know, $7 uh, daily pass to fish on the pier, I'm guessing a dollar of that probably does go to the DNR automatic. I don't know. I'm just speculating because I can't sure. see... But, but then again, I was talking, I believe, for residents down there. They, uh, I was talking to my buddy Tim. I think he said that residents don't even have to pay for a fishing license down there. They, get a, they need to get a fishing license, but they don't have to pay for it. Wow. Which 
Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? And and on the pier, it was really cool. I uh, I watched uh, watched a lady hook into a small sh black tip, I think, shark that uh, fortunately uh, bit bit him off. Um, every time uh, the dolphins would come around, they'd real quick try and wind their lines in because those dolphins hanging around the piers, you know, you don't want them grabbing your bait. And I guess the dolphins can, like if you hook a fish, <clears throat> the dolphins, you know, they can come and try and steal it. So they, yeah, so the people really, you know, they're cool to see them, but the dolphins, they're kind of like uh, poachers out there. They're hanging around. Um, I did hear someone yelling on one side of the, of the pier that uh, they saw a shark. By the time I walked over there, I didn't, uh, didn't see it. And uh, another guy showed me a picture of what he caught about a 30-pound king mackerel the week oh, wow. before. And that's what he was fishing for. Now, these piers, Tom, it's like, I don't know, geez, 50 feet above the water. I mean, it's way up. It's this giant pier. And there ain't no, no net long enough. So I guess uh, some guys have probably have the one. I talked to one guy. He says, oh, my buddies have a giant gaff down there. So some of them might use some type of a gaff. I, I don't know if it's on a, a hook on a rope or whatever. And actually, actually never did see it. But then I, I did see some guys that had these kind of like basket nets on a long rope, which would be kind of like a, a, a dip net type thing where they yeah. lower that all the way down to try and try and net the fish. Um, but I, kind of funny, I met a guy there. Now, we talk about uh, our, Wisconsin, you know, even in Wisconsin, you know, if you get caught with an illegal deer, you're in a lot of trouble and in pretty much legal fish, you get in a lot of trouble. But Talk to a guy there who I could not believe the amount of trouble that he got into uh, for illegal fish. And it was kind of funny. The guy was a real kind of a southern redneck. Uh, we're going to come up on a break. I think what I'll do is I'll save that for when we come back from break, yeah. Tom. Yeah, kind of like a Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. Yeah, well, let's do that. That sounds yeah. great. So okay. Daniel, tell us the rest of the story and what the guy got pinched for. When we come back, right after this, folks, so stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back! To the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors, I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer, Sam as usual maintaining the ship on the boards and uh, before we went to break I was mentioning about my uh, trip down to the uh, Navarre Fishing Pier down there in, uh, in the Gulf by, uh, in Florida and uh, meant, talked a little bit about a gentleman who got in some trouble for getting some illegal fish. So here's the story, Tom the guy's actually a truck driver. And he talked how he does drive up to Oshkosh and uh, up to the Milwaukee area as well. And he says that he has heard our show. Now, I mentioned the show. He says, oh, yeah, I've heard it. Now, whether he has or not, I don't know. But uh, so I, he was a, he's a good old boy. He just started talking to me. He's fishing there with his girlfriend on the pier. And uh, he says to me, he says, out of the blue, I, I just got out of jail. I said, what? He says, yeah. I was in jail for 55 days. I'm like, what? What are you jail for? Oh, that's not often you have someone just look, tell you, I, I just got out of jail, yeah, right? Yeah. So 
anyway, the story is that he and a buddy of his, uh, I think it was uh, Redfish. I always get confused. They got Red Snapper there and Red Fish. Red Snapper's more out in the Gulf. I think the Red Fish is more in some of the, the bays that come in off the Gulf there. So I think it was Redfish, and he said that the DNR actually had a drone. They were back in the middle of nowhere, and they thought, no problem. Kind of sounds like this guy might have done this. I'll call it a hunch a few times before. Uh, kind of a, a violator, kind of a bandit kind of a guy. Yeah. So he's back in the middle of nowhere where nobody's around, no boats, and they're feeling totally comfortable. Little did he know that they had the eye in the sky, and they had a, had a drone. So all of a sudden these guys pull up, and they had, I think it was 19, 19 redfish in, in their net. So, of course, they get busted, and he's still thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm gonna, he's going to write me a ticket here or whatever. And next thing you know, they're like, okay, put your hands behind your back. Turn around. And like, what? So he and his buddy got hauled off to jail. And evidently, they really take their fish violations down there really serious. So they haul them off. Uh, I forget how much, th- like $4,000 bail or something goofy like that, which... You know, it's kind of crazy, you know, because a fishing violation and you hear about people in the inner city, you know, firing a shot out a window or, or robbing a liquor store and they, they let them go the next day with for no bail or whatever, yeah. you know. So I'm thinking, what's going on with our law enforcement in today's world? But uh, anyway, uh, when they went for their sentencing in front of the judge, here's the funny part. He's there with his buddy and they got their lawyer. And all of a sudden, his buddy looks at the judge, and he says to him, he says, we're screwed. He goes, what do you mean? What do you mean? His buddy goes, the judge is going out with my ex-wife. Oh, and no. so, <laughs> yeah. And it's really funny, man, because you hear about, you know, small town justice, right? I remember when I... Uh, uh, when I was in element, no, middle school, we read a short story, and it was about a guy driving through some southern town where they get pulled over by the cop, and then they get, deal with the judge, and they deal with the prosecutor, and in the end, they got to give each of them, they got to pay a bunch of money, and then once they leave, the the judge, the prosecutor, and cop are all shaking hands, and they're all like, okay, come on over for dinner tonight. In other words, they're all in cahoots, right? And it's yeah. all like, you know, they're all kind of crooked. So it, that's what it sounded like, you know, because this guy said, yeah, the judges down here in these small towns, they can do anything. And when you think of Florida, you don't really think of the South, but really this is kind of like Alabama South. Right. Um, yeah. Most everybody has an accent, and uh, you do run into some real, you know, Southern, Southern like the guy I was talking to, he's, he's funny, he's going to me, he says, yeah, now I got my girlfriend, now I got to go get my teeth capped. So I got teeth now that I got a girlfriend again. So... <laughs> This guy tells me this. And anyway, 55 days. In, oh, he got sentenced to 60 days in jail, but he only got 55 <laughs> for good behavior. And then when they let him out, he had an ankle bracelet on him. They put an ankle bracelet on the guy for another 30 days. Uh, he's on probation, so he can't screw up. They told him no drinking any beer. Uh, and also he has to pay $140 a day for the ankle brace, brace, bracelet, uh, you know, bracelet fee. Wow. So I'm thinking, holy Christmas, they threw the, they threw the, uh, they threw the book at these guys. So it was just crazy, man. Wow. Boy, can you imagine if they were doing that to people here in Wisconsin who violated 
the fishing laws and hunting laws? Oh yeah, Holy yeah. It, we'd, we'd, we'd have to build, build more jails. I, yeah, I guess so. Well, like I said, you know, criminal justice system ain't anything these days in the major cities. They're just letting criminals go. But some poor, some poor bubba nets a few fish, and God dang it, we're we're gonna cut his nuts off. So it's kind of crazy, man. So anyway, I think we got a caller. All righty. Let's go to Al in Muskego. Or I'm sorry, Wally in Muskego. Wally, what's up, yeah, Wally? Good morning, Wally. Yeah, good morning, guys. I used to go down to uh, an area west of Panama City Beach quite a bit, which is, let's see, that's east of the Destin area where Dan was. And uh, we did all kinds of fishing. And the deal is non-residents need to get a saltwater license. There's a saltwater and a freshwater license, separate, kind of like we have stamps for salmon in Lake Michigan. Yeah, right. Right. Okay. And... Um, I never fished off of one of those piers, but I did really good surf fishing. You know, you'd um, get, like, frozen squid and wade out as far as you can and then cast it as far as you can from that. And you were mentioning redfish. One time, my daughter and I, we caught a 39-incher. If you know anything about redfish, those, that's a huge fish. That's huge. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, the maximum size, I didn't know this, that you're allowed to keep is 27 inches. So I wasn't a little over. I was a foot over this size. <laughs> and I kept the damn thing. <laughs> thinking about what Dan just said, man, I could being a non-resident, that could have been ugly. Yeah, that could have been. You could have been spending a night, 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 uh, night in jail there. And, yeah, uh, I guess I did do some shore fishing as well, Wally. And uh, I think they told me, Yet you can keep anything between 18 and 27 inches. It's a slot limit, and you only can keep one. That's what they told me. Okay. Well, what I kept a lot of is there's a bay in Panama City, and we'd rent, a, what do you call it, a pontoon boat, because we had a bunch of kids with us, and they'd goof around. And I kept all kinds of Spanish mackerel trolling slow with a pontoon boat in there, and we'd actually feed the porpoises. And I've had them... You know, as you're listening to Spanish mackerel, you're talking to how they'd rip you off. They'd come up and, you know, grab it as you're lifting it into the boat. So it was uh, it was interesting. It was uh, a lot of fun. I was going to try and call you ahead of time. You were lamenting about not being able to get your fishing pole. But you get pre-rigged stuff at the Walmarts down there for, you know, decent size, you know, surf fishing rods, spree strung with Akuma reels for like 39 bucks. It's not really that bad. Akuma's pretty good tackle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. And you're right. I was impressed with the uh, with the bait shops and uh, what they had because they pretty much have some excellent. Not they got the Walmart there. I didn't go there. We went to a little bait shop and they had everything. They got pre-rigged and they told you right what to do. And we tried for the redfish a little bit. Didn't do anything. Uh, I did do. I had to buy. Uh, I did buy that. Uh, I had to get a non-residence three-day salt water license is what i got yeah so you're right yeah but uh it, pretty interesting uh, just uh just fortunate that you didn't get caught with that illegal <laughs> redfish <laughs> well yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll see if i got a picture i'll dig it up and send it to your email when when i hey, can i got a up. question for you wally uh, sure. how did it taste oh it was fantastic i ended up uh we were there with a bunch of families in, in these condos and the ladies went and they, they baked up some kind of concoction. And I took the head and the bones and and made like a fish stew out of it. There was so, the bones, it's, you know, a fish that big, it's more like 
gutting a deer and it's filleting a fish for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the rib things are like your pinky. Um, but the, the fish, kind of was really, really good. Those ladies, I don't know how they baked it, but they had onions and lime and old yeah. bay seasoning on there. It was fantastic. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah sounds well, good. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about making a trip back down talking about this. It's been years and years since I've gone down there. I, we used to drive. It's the long haul, but the get it over with and we had a lot of fun i'm glad dan you had a good time too yeah and uh if you need a connection i got a buddy who owns a condo right there on the beach and it's real nice there right next to the fishing pier in fact it's right in uh right in navarre in the area you're talking about so i know he's got it open a lot in the uh winter months it's always full of course in the summer months but uh let me know if you're interested i'd let you connect you with him i may drop you a line i may take you up on that okay you guys take care all right sounds good man Take care. Bye now. Yeah, we got a we got a bottom of the hour break coming up. You know, when we come back, uh, you reminded me about a few stories about Florida that uh, well we might talk about when we come back after the gut report. How about that, Danny? Is that all right? That and and Tom, I only told half the story. I didn't talk oh. about the charter boat fishing. Oh well, that was what? a whole nutter animal. We're gonna listen to that when we come back. Then all right. All right, sounds Charter good. Charter Boat Fishing with Danny Bush. There we go. All right, folks. Hey, stay tuned. We got uh, the bottom of the hour break coming up. We got the gut report. So, as a matter of fact, it's another baked fish recipe. So, we'll be right back. Stay tuned for more. The gut report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, here you go, folks. I'm going to give you this baked fish recipe from Suzette Curtis of Oshkosh. And I'm going to give you the ingredients first. Very simple two pounds, roughly, of fish fillets. Now, that could be two nice-sized walleye fillets or bass fillets. A quarter cup of milk, a half a cup of breadcrumbs, a quarter cup of grated Parmesan cheese, a teaspoon of dill. Now, I like dill, so I always double that. And about a, you know, a number of sliced, you know, butter sliced, about a half a cup of sliced butter. Now combine the breadcrumbs, the cheese, and the dill, and then set that aside. Coat the baking dish with the cooking spray. Then dip the fish into the milk, and then dredge it through the breadcrumb mixture. Place in the prepared dish. Then take some slices of butter and put it on top of the fish. You want to bake it at about 450 degrees for Oh, about 20, 25 minutes until the fish becomes opaque and begins to flake. Now, you can use panko breadcrumbs instead of regular breadcrumbs if you want a lighter crust. But I'll tell you, this is just another healthy way to prepare fish because, you know, a lot of times fried fish sometimes maybe isn't as good for us. So, you know, you try to get a few other types of fish in there like steamed fish or boiled fish or baked fish and baked fish is some of the easiest way to do it so give this one a try it's pretty good folks you may want to try it the gut report is brought to you by discount liquor where you're going to find the best price selection and service at 51st and oklahoma in milwaukee and main street in barstow and waukesha for weekly specials go to discountliquorinc.com Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes, cutting edge outdoors, 
I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Newbauer. Sam on the board, 414-799-1250. We appreciate your calls, hunting, fishing reports, uh, whatever you got on your mind, give us a call or email us at ceoguys at yahoo.com. And before we went to break, I was talking about my trip down to the, uh, I guess it's the panhandle down there by the uh, Gulf. I was in like the Destin, Fort Walton area. I stayed on a island in Navarre. And we were talking about the shore fishing and the surf fishing. And uh, our last caller mentioned how he did some of that. And there were people out on the beach uh, doing that as well as up on that big pier. Uh, we did go out. Troy did charter a guy to take us out uh, on, uh, on his boat. It wasn't a real big boat. We didn't go out real far in the Gulf. Um, it was, I believe, a 22 and a half, 23 foot boat. It was basically like a, a tri-hull, like the Boston Whaler type style type boat. Yeah. And it did handle, we were in some rough, some fairly rolling, if you were, you know, seasick susceptible, you wouldn't want to be there. Uh, and this guy, he does really well um, out there. Now, he's not one of those boats that goes way out there. You know, there's a lot, a lot it seems like the bulk of the boats are the real big ones that go way the heck on out there. And uh, we caught some uh, amberjack, king mackerel, and some red snapper. Uh, the red snapper are supposed to be delicious to eat. Now, they're not the same as the red fish, um, but uh, apparently the red snapper, uh, the season is now closed. And it's, it's interesting that uh, he was, it kind of sounds a lot like how our Wisconsin DNR is having a hard time getting their head wrapped around the wolf population and what kind of regs and how many should be allowed because he gave me, he basically said that he felt that the fishing game down there had no idea how many red snapper there were really were, and therefore their regulations, they were just kind of shot in the dark guessing. So they got the season open, and then it closed, I think, in August. Uh, but he said, you know, there seems to be plenty of them around, but unfortunately we had to let those go. Um, as far as the, the, the fishing, a uh, couple things. Um, it, it wasn't cheap. Uh, Troy, for, okay, we fished six hours the first day and five the next, and he charged Troy $1,800, Tom. Wow. And uh, it was a good time, but it wasn't worth $1,800. Uh, I would much rather, that shows you the value of going with uh, uh, our Lake Michigan fishing peers, you know, fishing guides out here, Captain Jason, Sean Gillis, some of those guys where you're catching a whole bunch of trout and salmon. Uh, because we caught some fish, but we didn't catch a ton of fish. Um, we A couple different things that we did. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, we did catch, we'd go out with kind of like some uh, drop shot rigs and you'd catch a bunch of, uh, you'd catch a bunch of live bait. And um, so we caught a bunch of live bait. Now the only, the other thing I would, I, I would, uh, uh, tell our listeners, if you go with a captain, ask them how much time are you going to be actually catching bait? Because <laughs> we, you know, the, the second day we went, we kind of got the impression we were we were catching a bunch of live bait in the morning, and both Troy and I got the impression that, hey, he's having us catch not enough live bait just for our morning trip. He's having us catch enough live bait for his afternoon trip as well, which, okay. you know... So you're spending, you know, a couple hours fishing for live bait. You were being um, hornswoggled. 
so yeah, so I mean, I get, I can see, you know, and and part of the problem was that he had some live bait in advance, but the red tide had come on in and uh, was affecting his some of his bait was dying dying in the live well. Apparently, that red tide is every couple year thing. Um, interesting thing though, uh, we trolled those live bait, and it's like putting on a 10 inch smelt or something or whatever small small bait, and he he chucks it out. In, 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 with no weight, just lobs a couple long casts out with these big spinning rod and reels, something like you might troll salmon with, and then he just trolls them along the top of the water with no weight and going about 8, 10 miles an hour. Now, you would think that, you know, if we tried trolling live bait like that here, they would drown, but yeah. these, these bait fish are very fast as well, so they're kind of swimming along with the boat, and then all of a sudden, if they start kind of breaking the surface and acting crazy, kind of like when a sucker acts crazy when a muskie's chasing it, uh, that's when he starts looking back there to see if there's a, a mackerel behind it or whatever. And uh, Troy did catch one nice king mackerel doing that. Um, and speaking of uh, eating now, he, he, he filleted up, and I took it and cleaned it up real good, got whatever bloodline, uh, everything else out of it. So he did a pretty good, quick job of cleaning it at the pier. And um, I put it in the refrigerator on Tuesday, and I went to cook it on Thursday. And then I go online and I read that mackerel is best cooked the day you catch it because it spoils easy, easily in case, and, and unless you get it on you know, ice or refrigerate properly. So now I'm thinking, well, yeah, I think we got it on ice quick enough, and it was cold because you know, I didn't want to eat any spoiled fish. The other thing I read too, Tom, is mackerel is high in mercury. So oh, it says wow. that, yeah, it says if, you, uh, if you're a, a pregnant woman, which I'm not, or a child under six, which neither of us are. We might act like it sometimes, but uh, you shouldn't, shouldn't eat it. But then I, it, it looked like the Atlantic mackerel has the highest mercury. Now, this is the Gulf, so I'm thinking, well, that's not that much. So what I did was this. I took the fillets. I did, kept it simple. Uh, I marinated them in Italian dressing for a couple hours. Then I put them on uh, aluminum foil and a baking pan, preheated the oven to 375 and baked them for 22 minutes. Uh, before I, uh, I put them in the oven, though, I put a little salt, pepper, and butter on them. And uh, I went and bought some bread and some cheese. And when, the, uh, when, it, when it was done, after 22 minutes, I put a couple fillets on a plate, put a hunk of cheese on there, microwaved it till the cheese was melted down, and put it on the, on the buns. And I'll tell you, it was delicious fish sandwiches. And uh, anybody who has anything against King Mackerel doesn't know what they're talking about. It was really good. Well, that's great. That sounds good. Yeah. Now, the other thing with the trip is this. Uh, and it's interesting going as being a guide, being on the other side, right? Uh, you know, it, it, so it was good kind of a reflection because I always want to make sure the way I talk to clients. But the guide, I don't know, my buddy down there said that a lot of the people down there don't like northerners. And this, the guide, he was good, but he'd be making some snide comments, you know, kind of smart. I, I think Troy made the mistake of telling him, oh, my buddy's a nut musky guide, you know, this and that. So, you know, I don't know if he's thinking, well, this musky guide from up north, I'll show him, you know, because he, he we did some bottom fishing where we're hooking into these amberjacks, and they're called... Uh, uh, donkeys, they call them whatever, sea donkeys, because they're just so stubborn. I mean, they fight like you wouldn't believe, and I had huge heavy tackle. So I, so the guy really didn't give any instructions. 
he just hands you the rod there and you know, just says lower it to the bottom well this fish hits and I got this big heavy spinning rod and reel and the thing even with 80 pound braid this thing is ripping out drag and I'm used to fighting fish right fish is ripping out drag you're not supposed to be winding well then the guy made kind of a smart aleck comment only after like 15 20 seconds about well I guess this one's shark bait because you can't get it in well I'm thinking you know if you if you if you tell me in advance you gotta horse the fish in I'll horse it in but I'm, I'm playing it's ripping out drag I mean yeah. what are you gonna do so sure enough all of a sudden the line went ripping out and went limp and he says I think a shark got it and it was pretty cool we wound it in all we got was the head of the amberjack back oh. and a uh, shark had just chomped it but then after that I thought okay uh, you want me to horse them I'll horse them so like I actually reached and put my hand on the spool of this giant spinning spinning reel and I just clamped down I thought okay you don't want me to play them long I'm not gonna let it run if the line breaks the line breaks and I just you know I'll horse them in so you know he didn't really it was he didn't really give good instructions and he couldn't wait to make some wisecracks and he did it several other times too so I don't know I uh, it certainly wasn't worth $1,800, but it was a learning experience, and Troy and I got some nice video and had a good time. So anytime you're fishing, it's a good time. But I'll tell you what, um, I appreciate uh, this Lake Michigan fishing. with the, What they charge out on Lake Michigan is a real value if you can get out and catch the trout and salmon because you catch a whole lot more fish out here than what we caught down there. Wow. Yeah, that sounds, uh, sounds interesting. Sounds like a lot of money. But coming up next is the Hornschwaggle, and uh, that's brought to you by Carl's Country Market out there in Menominee Falls. They're on the corner of Pilgrim Road and Silver Spring. Stop out there, give them a try, and if you, by the way, if you win the Hornschwaggle, you'll get a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Market. So if you haven't been a winner in the last two months, and you want to be a winner now, all you got to do is call 414-799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Good luck to all you Hornschwagelists. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for getting on board the crazy train with us today. We always take a moment to thank law enforcement officers. We back the badge, first responders, healthcare workers, and uh, military folks out there, and also to all of our listeners, near and far, uh, both live now and later on on our uh, podcast there, Tom. And uh, right now we have the much-anticipated, world-famous, world-renowned, unbelievable contest known as the Hornschwaggle segment. And uh, do we have a, a potential wiener on the phone here, Sam? Yes, we do. Our potential wiener today may be Roger and Cudahy. Hey, Roger, how you doing? Well, pretty good, guys. Good doing morning. good. Yeah. Doing good. Are you or your brother doing any fishing lately? Uh, no, I haven't been in. I know he's uh, he just had a hernia surgery, so it'll be a little while for him, too, before he... I know he was pan fishing a little bit uh, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, I suppose. Well, hopefully he recovers in time to set some tip-ups for some pike there, Roger. But here we go. You know how the Hornschwaggle works. And if you're a winner, I'll mail you a $10 gift certificate, Carl's Country Market. So here we go. 
bats. You know, being as it's Halloween and stuff, I figured bats was an appropriate subject. Bats are a vital part of Wisconsin's ecosystems, Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle. Did you say bass, B-A-S-S? No, bats, bats, B-A-T-S. Yeah. The flying oh, bass, guy, right? bass, okay, yeah, no, okay, uh, okay. Uh, that would be uh, no Hornschwaggle. No Hornschwaggle, okay, there we go. Do we have a ringback, Sam, or those sound? Oh, hey, you know, we only had technical problems last week. We're all on. Everything's good now. Okay, good. Um, white-tailed deer. White-tailed deer are largely antisocial when it comes to other deer and are mostly loners. Hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle? That's uh, a hornschwaggle. Hornschwaggle, yes. Uh, you know, I was going to mention, Tom, um, I've got my trail cam pictures, and it's, it's fascinating. You watch the behavior of deer, and I've got this the, a picture, a couple minutes worth of two does, and, I mean, they are just loving. They're rubbing their necks on each other. They're kind of licking each other. They're kind of both, like, grooming each other. Unbelievable. I mean, just, yeah, they're, they're very affectionate. Makes me it feel sounds, like... It sounds kinda, like an invasion of privacy. Yeah, right. You know, I, I, you know, if I watch too much of that, I think, what sweet, nice little animals. Now, now, if all of a sudden, you know, the movie Bambi shows up on my TV, who knows? I might not want to shoot deer anymore. You guys are going to have to kidnap me and deprogram me to get me hunting again. So, yeah, um, the left yeah. gotcha, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I don't think that's happening anytime. So even though you're two out of two, we always like to see that if you could be three out of three, because then if you are, you know you can do all your football bets tomorrow and bet your house and you'll be a winner because you're on a roll. So here we go. Sir Francis laughs a lot. First introduced white-tailed deer in the U.S. in 1732 in the Massachusetts colony. Oh, that's a huge hornswoggle. Huge hornswoggle. There we go. All right. Very good there, Roger. So... Uh, leave your address with Sam I am. I'll mail that certificate to you, buddy. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, take uh, care, Roger. Hey, Danny, we got an email. Okay. And uh, Forrest. Forrest basically is saying $1,800. He says, makes $20 for the barge seem like a heck of a deal. And then yes. he says, maybe talk about crazy trail cam photos, which you will now. And then he says, hoping to make Parmesan walleyes tomorrow. Have a great day. So that was from Forrest. So, yeah, he uh, crazy uh, trail cam photos about the loving deer. Yes, and I told you about the freak trail cam photo of uh, the skunk pouncing on a bird. Uh, it, unbelievable. I, it's, that's what it looks like I saw there. The other thing that I interesting watching, um, I set up a trail camera. And there's a spot where there's, obviously there must be a scrape there now. Now there was a rub on a tree when I set up the trail camera. Um, but now it's obvious because every buck I've had like, you know, three different bucks at least, maybe four, go through and they all hit that area and stay there for a long time. And then the does go through and they're sniffing there. And even though it's still photos, there's times where I, I could just see the back end of a deer for a couple minutes. I couldn't see his front, but his head was down. I'm pretty sure he was pawing and making a scrape. But it's interesting. It's like a community signpost where every deer that comes through there stops and sniffs around right there. 
uh, kind of like dogs, I guess, you know, they're all sniffing the same tree. But I, I do think that those scrapes, I mean, it's not just one buck visiting a scrape. It seems to be that there's multiple bucks, you know, nosing around that scrape as long as multiple does. So, um, yeah, uh, looking looking to do some do some hunting in the next couple of weeks. Nothing real big yet that I've seen, but uh, I'm sure the big boys will be coming around at some point and be worth definitely hunting here rut rut should get rolling here in the next two weeks just watch out when you're on the road is all i got to say in fact if you can if you can avoid if you can avoid driving at night or in early morning when it's not when it's light or even just day you know slightly dark you know whatever you want to call it dawn or whatever do it avoid it at all costs and drive in full daylight because man oh man they're running like crazy right now so i i i i won't i'll drive up i'll drive up at at during the day i'll drive back during the day of course if you're out hunting till dark you know you got kind of a gauntlet on these farm roads to drive real slow on the way back to the city and it always kills me because you'll get people on these country roads and they'll you know i'll be trying to drive 40 50 with my high beams on and you'll get some guy in a sports car come flying at about 70 miles an hour and they're tailgating you. And you're thinking, man, you're a real dummy driving that fast on, on the road. Uh, so, yeah. In fact, one of the stretches that they really should lower the speed limit is right out here in Pewaukee on Highway, uh, I think it's Highway G, just past the BP. When you uh, cross SS and you're on G and you're heading towards, uh, I guess you're heading south towards uh, 94, towards the interstate there. There's a stretch there where there there's houses on each side, but they let you go 45 miles an hour, and there's deer and turkeys running. And even if you go 45, you got guys tailgating you. They really should lower that speed limit there because I'll see dead deer, no doubt. Our good friend Ron Heidenreich last month had a deer run into the side of his car, or his truck, I should say. Just ran right into the side of the truck. It hit the, the two side doors cost him, I forget what he said, it was like uh, the estimate was over $5,000 to have repaired, so that's yeah. no fun, having those deer run into you, or you running into them, either way. I but, got lucky a couple of years ago, Tom, I was, uh, it was during deer season, and I was riding, driving on the gauntlet, the gauntlet uh, farm road there, and I, I'd had a beer or two at the farmhouse, so I threw the keys to my buddy Scott to drive, and we were driving, and all of a sudden, same thing happened deer come out of the side and he running he tried to put the brakes on he's kind of you know trying to slide or you know slow down but wham he hit the side front of my truck and i i got out thinking oh crap didn't need this got out no damage whatsoever and then we see the deer scramble up and go run off into the woods it had hit the tire and it was low enough to the ground with that tall ford f-150 uh that uh it didn't get any of the fender so man that was lucky there it, yeah. right into the side there's nothing scott could do yeah there the two times i hit a deer yeah i was not lucky that's for sure hey listen i sent you an email from wally who was talking about that redfish uh i sent you the email he sent a picture of the redfish so you yeah, might want to check that during the break all right that's a big redfish. I'm sure it gave him oh. a heck of a fight. Oh, you see it now. Yeah, yeah. That is a big one, yeah. So listen, we got the top of the hour break. It's 6.58 now, and we'll be back, folks, in just a couple of minutes with more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Is paid commercial programming. 
The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train! Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, it is Halloween weekend, so you got to get ready for all those little munchkins coming to your door. Don't forget, don't eat all the candy before they get there. This is the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors, and we come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m., and we are a live show. He's Danny Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Sam Schmitz is on the boards, not not literally sitting on them. He's maintaining them, working them. Anyway, if you want to be part of the show, you got any questions or comments, you can call us at 414-799-1250. Or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Okay, Danny, second hour. I just mailed you a second email from uh, the caller with the redfish. He forgot to leave his phone number, so you got that. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, buddy. Yeah, so, uh, know, I will work hmm? on uh, getting information, and then I can hmm. probably uh, probably get a text texted to him there. So it, I'll tell you what, the condo... Uh, my friend has down there. It's uh, it's like a I think it's valued at about seven hundred thousand dollars at uh, Beach Colony Resort. It's within walking distance of the pier. It's beautiful beach right there, and he really offers a fantastic deal. Uh, I mean, he charges way way less than all the other you know condos right around there. But he just likes to offer it at you know keep it keep people there. And uh, winter time is especially good time to be able to get a great deal on staying down there because it's not the busy season. So uh, if you want a great place to take a nice affordable vacation. And this time of year, I got my flight down there for $214. Uh, round trip. I left last Saturday and came back yesterday. So that's not a bad deal as far as, uh, as, far as prices now. So that was through American Airlines. I don't know if that's going to continue now. Uh, I would think that with the price of fuel going up, that I know it's uh, getting us at the pump. Wouldn't you think that would affect the cost of airline flights as well? You would think so. Yeah. All right. All right. So now is thanks, the time. Joe. What? What? I just said thanks, Joe. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, now is the time of the year when guys are gearing up for uh, sucker fishing for muskies on our area musky lakes and. Uh, you know, there's a number of sucker rigs out there. And, uh, you know, years ago, I would, you know, make my own. Uh, they were adjustable so that, you know, if you had a two-hook sucker rig, you know, with two treble hooks, you could adjust them for the size of the sucker. But then a number of years ago, uh, there was a guy in uh, Illinois who made these, uh, what did he call them? They were different size attachments, different lengths. And you would attach it to your leader and um oh was that uh, was, was that gene at leaders and yeah, lures yes 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 yeah yeah he had the different ones hey uh it's up to you oh, tom we got a caller yeah, we got on hold that's right minutes. i forgot i'm sorry let's yeah. go to gary and menominee falls 
Hey, Gary, sorry, I forgot that you were on the line. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, this is Gary, the guy that talked to you guys about bullheads, smoking bullheads sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I've got a question. I've got a buddy, close buddy I hunted and fished with for years. He ended up moving down to Kentucky. Him and I just talked on the phone, uh, but uh, I'd like to send him a box of venison sausage, you know, and, and I've never done this before with dry ice, whatever. I was wondering if you guys could kind of clue me in on how I could go about this. I really, I've never done that either. I don't know. Where do you get dry ice? You know what? That's that's a that's a darn good question. Uh, Sam told me that you had a question about packaging, and I thought you were going to ask about how to, you know, when you cut a deer up, how to wrap it that way. Oh, uh, oh it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. So I said, oh yeah, I can help with that. I did uh, when I when I shot my bear uh, up by uh, up there in Douglas County. I went to a place called Hirsch's, and uh, they shipped me um, some venison a couple weeks later, and they, I believe it, I think, I'm trying to remember if it was packed in dry ice or not. I mean, it came, it was cold, it was good. Um, that would, that's a great question. Probably, maybe one of our other listeners can give us a call, uh, or uh, I guess if I were you, I'd probably just Google it. Maybe you can even contact like a Federal Express or a, uh, or well, a UPS or whatever. I was just wondering where where do you buy dry ice if you want? Yeah, to... I know it. I, I, I know, know. I, that's the same the same thing. And people must do it. I mean, holidays. I'm sure they must ship. Yeah. You, you know, know what? Uh, you know, you go on your computer and you click that little uh, that uh, where it says type here to search and just ask where to buy dry ice, and uh, it should tell you where to. You get know, it. I, I'm also thinking though this. It depends. I'm thinking. If you got it frozen, if you have it frozen solid, and it's vacuum sealed and wrapped, and they they sell those, uh, they used to sell their, they look like a giant bag that looked like the color of aluminum foil. They were like freezer, they were bags for picnicking and stuff, where they, supposedly this bag would keep it cold. I'm thinking if maybe you got that, wrapped it up real good, put a bunch of newspaper in a box, and sealed it up. If if it gets there within a couple of days, you'd I'm guessing you might be okay doing that. I don't know. The other, yeah. the more expensive option, you could be like some of these guys and buy a $400 Yeti, <laughs> Yeti cooler, put it in that, <laughs> and then spend another $100 to send this big, heavy Yeti cooler. Then your friend will be real happy. He got yeah. the sausage and he got the Yeti to boot. Yeah, I, I'm just I, wondering if a guy could ship it overnight. You know, that yeah, be yeah, quicker. you can definitely do that. But you know, like Danny said, if it's frozen, see, I was thinking that it wasn't frozen, but if it's frozen. Oh yeah, overnight delivery, no problem. That'll that'll get there. It'll still be frozen when it gets there. And like you say, maybe wrap it in paper real well and stuff insulated in that box, you know. And maybe yeah. and even or even maybe just take a, a small one of those cheap small plastic coolers that you probably got laying around the garage somewhere, like a sandwich cooler. And depending on how big, you can maybe wrap that with the paper and just ship it in that too. Right. Right. Well, I want to try to do this because he assures me if I send him venison sausage, he'll send me wildlife ways. So, <laughs> hey, that's a deal. <laughs> you know not? what? I'd I'd be more concerned with making sure your wildlife fillets are sent fresh and cool, cold, than the vice versa. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, you're yeah, in have fact, because as far as how that turns out, okay. Okay. Yeah. Now I'll, I'll be listening in. Maybe one of your listeners has some ideas or where I could find dry ice, but I'll, I'll look on the computer too. But thanks, the guys. Uh, All right. All right. Thanks. Take care. Hey. Good luck. All right. Um, okay. But so, yeah, uh, oh, legs. He, uh, the guy, uh, Gene, down in Illinois, he called that sucker setup legs. You know, the shorter leg, longer leg. 
for yep. depending on the size of the suck. That was a real quick and easy rig setup. That that was all right. You know, that was pretty good. I, I I've gotten to the point, Tom, where when I'm setting up for suck for suckers, um, I I'm trying to go with less is more. Um, you know, it used to be I didn't seem to think it mattered if I had you know enough metal and hardware on there. You know, like I was going for a tiger shark. Uh, Joe Booker, one of his rigs was like a three treble hook. Well, double head treble hook and a and a single hook. Uh, I might have even seen some years ago that had three treble hooks. And I, you know, as as these fish wise up, uh, how many times do you have them grabbing a sucker and dropping it? Uh, I'm starting to think that the least, the, what I don't know if the word is, inobtrusive type um, uh, setup is going to be less likely if they're if they're finicky. Now they they have changed. Most sucker rigs don't have a big single front hook through the nose like right. they used to right. have. Small it's just one. more a small hook. It's more just a keeper hook to kind of keep the sucker on. And the the treble hook on the side is the hooking, you know, the one to hook it. Um, yeah, that, our, that, our, go ahead. yeah, our friend, our friend, Kevin Moore, uh, he years ago was out. I remember in Okachi, I think it was during a tournament and he caught some, he, that's when the circle hooks, which were salt water and I used them, man, I'll tell you, they worked to perfection when I was fishing with the captain down there. He just used a whole circle hook on a live bait and it's amazing. You just wind and it somehow hook right in the corner of the mouth, um, but he was one years ago, he was using circle hooks and a spinning rod and reel. And uh, he drew up the rig in the size circle hook and kind of showed where he hooked the sucker. And, uh, and he, uh, he had success catching them on the circle hook. Now, the only thing is with a sucker minnow, you don't want, definitely don't want to get it through the backbone in any way, shape, or form. Because you're not going to pull that sucker hook through the backbone I mean that circle hook through the backbone of a sucker. But if you can do it in a, you know, maybe the back tail area, um, I think that's what I was doing ice fishing when I hooked the monster muskie uh, this this winter, and that was on a circle hook, and it was right in the corner of the mouth. Yeah, um, I, I personally have never used the circle hooks. I always used uh, uh, the adjustable rigs that I had, and also that uh, legs. Uh, but I know what you mean about less is more. I know when I would use my adjustable ones, that was less. The legs, the legs seemed to be a little bit heavier construction, and uh, I made a lot of my uh, my rigs, my musky rigs. I made them out of forty pound test instead of sixty, because I figured, heck, you know, forty pound test. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna get a fish on that's gonna break that. You know, I, I've got a drag on my reel, so. I mean, I did have a number of them made out of the 60, but the 40 seemed it was a lot lighter wire, easier to maneuver, easier to handle. So, but I yeah. know this is a time of the year where have you heard about a water temperature lately? No, no. Uh, okay. I suppose I could walk outside and take a leak in a little bit, then I can come back and tell you. But uh, no, I don't know what the water temperature is right now. Because I just wonder if uh, turnover has happened yet or not. Uh, I don't. Uh... Somebody was asking me that the other day, and I said, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, when I was out last week, or the, yeah, well, yeah, last week after the show, the water temperature was like 62. Hey, so... we got we got a caller on the line. Maybe he oh, knows. Maybe he knows. All right, let's go. All right, let's go to Jim in Greenfield. Hey, Jim in Greenfield. 
Greenfield. How are you doing? Don't know whether turnover has happened yet, but I can tell you dry ice, 76th and Howard, southeast corner. It's a service station. I buy it there all the time. 76th and Howard. All right. Southeast corner is a service station there. All right. Oh. Well, thank you for the info. You're welcome. Yeah, that's that, that's great. Hey, before you go, how would you would you would you know how to package that then? If the guy's well, sending I, something, I we 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 take it to Canada to keep our stuff you know in the cooler cold till we get there. It's, you know, it's a day and a half that we're screwing around driving up there, and uh, you know, take a pair of gloves along and take a cooler along, and and you're all set. And then uh, you know, get, lift that dry ice into the cooler and and uh, then do what you want with it. I mean, it so lasts with the, a long time. It's dry ice. So would he would he be able to uh, package it perhaps in plastic in, lining a, a cardboard box and well, send it that yeah, way? Yeah, you know, and he sells it there in any amount that you want. So if, okay. you know, if it were me and I were going to pack it, uh, I would probably you know chip some ice uh, uh, from the block that you buy, and or maybe buy some small blocks from, and maybe he'd even uh, you know cut it up for you so that you could put it in in boxes. Gotcha. Uh, I would I would put it in some sort of, you know, Ziploc bag or something like that. Just you know, even though it's dry ice, I would still probably do that. Gotcha. I had a and then for you guys, have you looked out yeah. the window? Is it going to get light today at all at any point, or, <laughs> or are my clocks wrong? Uh, it should be starting. I, I'm looking. Ah, it should be just about starting to get light. I think sunup is right around now, but we must have a lot of cloud cover this morning. It has to be because it's really dark by my house. Yeah. Have yeah. a great day, guys. You too. All right. Take you care. Take care. Okay, bye now. You know, Tom, he, he brings up the gloves. Yeah, dry ice you're not yeah, you supposed to touch, right? Yeah. You got to have the gloves. Yeah. And, and now think about it. I've heard about dry ice my whole life. I know what it is, but I don't know what it is. What exactly is dry ice? Just, just what it says. It's ice that is uh, such a cold temperature. It's I I don't know. If, does it melt? I don't know. I don't know much about it either. What? Well, <laughs> you don't know either. I don't know. I've heard well, about. I know it's it, dry like, ice. Yeah. Okay, what makes it dry? What? Yeah. What? It, it, so it's regular, like regular ice, but what they put it in super cold, so it gets like totally. I think dehydrated it, or something? I don't know, man. I think it is super colder. I, I, I well, you know it, but you don't want to touch it. Yeah, you don't want to touch it. That's for sure. As a kid, when I grew up, that's what my mom taught me. Age five, thank God, she taught me: don't get in strangers' cars, don't lick a fire hydrant, and don't touch dry ice. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe somebody can call us and tell us an, a, a dry ice expert. And other than that, Expert. We, yeah, we got to go to another break. It's uh, 7.15 now in the morning. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. And this is the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes. Cutting Edge Outdoors, I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer, Sam on the board, and Sam, you said we had some people with info on dry ice? Yeah, I mean, from what they told me is that it's basically like a just a frozen version of carbon dioxide. Yeah, we got a couple of emails. One is from uh, Captain Andy. He said, dry ice is solid carbon dioxide, a.k.a. CO2. 
That was from him. And then we got another email here. Let me see what it says. Uh, from Paul. Paul says, it's frozen carbon dioxide. Now, wait a minute. We got more. From our friend Bob Garfunkel. It is frozen carbon dioxide. Okay. Now we got uh, from Dan. Dan says, dry ice is carbon dioxide in its solid state. It sublimes like mothballs and does not melt. Carl is where he gets it. Oh, he gets it at Carl's Country Market. How about that? Okay. Wow. And then, Look at uh, that. This is Gregory. Gregory says, dry ice is a solid form of carbon dioxide. Always enjoy your show. Well, thank you, everybody, for... <laughs> well, I, well, I no, guess we cleared a, that one up. <laughs> and it doesn't melt. How about that? Well, it doesn't melt. Now, I'm almost scared to ask, how do you freeze it? <laughs> uh, good, you got to have a really cold freezer, I guess. <laughs> but boy, I'll tell you what, uh, we got we got emails out of the woodwork on that one. Hey, well, thanks to all up. our listeners, we appreciate all the yeah. help. You know, just think, Tom, over the years how we've how we've added to the knowledge of countless thousands of people with between our listeners and whatever stuff you and I might happen to yeah. be lucky enough I, to know. I was going to say, how about adding to our knowledge, too? You know, good yeah, added, yeah I've, learned, I've, I've learned a lot. Here, uh, also speaking of learning, uh, the DNR is doing some new sonic tagging on Winnebago walleyes. And, you know, we talk about technology. I've talked about my spy point camera going right to my phone, how it's changed. You know, in the old days, they put a metal clip on a fish's fin with a number on it and you know if you caught it you tried to report it well and then we had the muskie study years ago where they put transmitters but you had a guy had a guy out there in a boat going around the lake trying to find the fish with the transmitters well now they put transmitters they put them on they call it a sonic sonic tagging study it's going to be on the movement of walleye in the winnebago system to evaluate adult walleye movement and habitat use on the system. And what they're doing is they're putting out these receivers uh, along riverbanks and uh, areas, uh, even some receivers are placed in deep water. And apparently if a fish shows up within, I don't know how far what they said, within a quarter mile of the receiver, it'll log the date and time of that location. And then the receiver data is downloaded annually, to, uh, probably to some downloaded to a computer. Just incredible how they can how they can put that out there and keep track of them uh, with uh, with the technology that they have today. But one thing uh, people should be aware: if you get one of those tagged fish with an orange loop, it can be worth a hundred bucks to you. Um, so basically there's an orange loop on it and it reads research reward and i'm quoting from the dnr website here they are worth 100 dollars to anglers that report them the reward expires december 31st 2025 uh, receiving found tags from harvested fish is crucial as they can be reused for future studies and uh, then they give a contact uh, number to report tags, and they also give an address where you can mail tags in. So it sounds like even if you let the fish go, you still get the hundred bucks. I'm hoping, I'm guessing you do. And so you it almost keep the tag, right? Uh, I don't know. It, let's see. What does it say? Let's see. While well, I the research reward, it says to report them. 
but it doesn't tell you how you report them. Oh. Uh, so it's a little, I think I'd want to contact and call them and ask them because uh, if I was a little unclear, like if, let's say, if you keep the fish, do you still get the $100 or is it, do you get the $100 only if you, re, re, you know, report the it, tag and release the like thing? It sounds like if you keep it, you got to send the tag in and you get the reward. But I don't know about if you release No, it, it, it doesn't reward that. It doesn't word it that way. It says, no. it says to report tags. That doesn't mean send it. It says to report tags and receive the reward, anglers must send a confirmation picture. Oh. And catch information, so you'd got to take your, you know, your nice cell phone, which you don't have, Tom. So forget it. You're not getting the hundred bucks anyway. <laughs> and you then you then it's got it where you can it's got it where you can uh, send it. Looks like this email address you can send it to, um, or probably uh, they give a phone number too. Um, but then it, I'm, I'm guess I'm guessing that whether you keep it or not, either way you get the hundred bucks. If you keep it, you probably mail the tag in. Yeah, but did uh, you say that they reuse the tags. Yeah, they said they want to reuse it, yeah. so they. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit vague. I I would uh, I would call them up and get the complete details, but definitely if you catch one with an orange tag, be prepared to get a hundred bucks. You don't want to just throw it back in without following up on that. Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. Interesting. I guess we got a caller, Tom. Okay. All right, let's go to Mr. T on the north side. Okay, our friend hey. Mr. T, how's it going? Hey, it's going all right, fellas. How you guys doing this morning? All doing right. good, bud. Doing good. Bushies, I remember a while back you were talking about an app, either an app or the DNR website about finding public honey land. And I want to do that for deer hunting to find some public honey land. I know there's got to be plenty of it out there. But if, if it was the app, can you repeat which app that was or if it was the DNR website? Um, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm After this break, see, it's on my phone, and right now I'm using an app on the phone to talk on the air. When we go to the next break, Mr. T, what I can do is I can, you know, kind of switch out of this app and go to my phone, and I'll tell you exactly the name of the app. All right. Sounds yeah. good. So yeah, keep listening, and it's it's it was and it was a real handy app because you could find I found several public hunting places to go pheasant hunting last year, and it, I'll tell you what it, it it's great as far as you know, and and once it's on your phone, you can actually go out into the woods and it tells you you know if you're off the land or not, so you know where the borders are, so you can't screw up and all of a sudden wander off the public land onto the private land so yeah and it's free so yeah when after this next break when we come back after the 7:30 break be listening and i'll make sure to uh to put that out there all right thanks a lot all right take care thanks for listening yeah speaking of pheasants this year uh well last year during covid the dnr released only 50,000 pheasants on public hunting lands this year they're releasing 75,000 so there's going to be plenty of pheasants out there for the pheasant hunters to shoot. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing my buddy Al Shook is probably out there slaying them like crazy. He's probably good for about twenty thousand of the pheasants himself. So, yeah. And then once he shoots most of them off, and there might be one or two left, then he'll call me to ask me to go out. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Since Mr. T is waiting for some information, and you got to take care of that. Why don't we take a, a, a break that's a, maybe a minute or two early, 
And uh, so uh, we can take a quick break right now at the bottom of the hour, and Danny will have that information about public hunting land. So, folks, stay tuned for more. we got a lot more coming up on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. <laughs> To the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. And I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Newbauer. And uh, once again, we're at, we got half an hour left of our show. We thank everyone for getting on board, getting on the rails, and uh, riding the crazy train today. And uh, Mr. T, here's the info. And this is why I wanted to uh, double check my apps because I didn't want to screw up. I've got two different apps. And I wanted to make sure I didn't confuse them. Now, the app, which is free that I got last year from the Wisconsin DNR is called Hunt Wild. Hunt Wild. And that was the free app, and it was great for finding the, uh, the public lands and so forth. And then once you have that app and you got it on your phone, if you bring it up, it, it, it shows you, you know, when you're walking, you know, you know, it's got the GPS. You can see right where you are. Uh, when you're on that, you know, on that given property to make sure you don't go in the wrong spot. Now, there is another app that I paid for last year, which I'm using as well. And, and that one is called Hunt Stand. Hunt Stand. I believe it's listed as one word together. Hunt Stand. And it was about a $25 app. Now, what that one does is that one tells you a um, whole bunch of different things you can do on that. You can get all kinds of different types of maps, uh, it, it, different top, top, topographical maps. You can get, you know, there's so many different functions on there. I got it for the property boundaries uh, feature of it, where I can go up and being as I own some land in some wilderness area, I got to go across a river and it's, uh, you know, hardly no idea where, where that property ends and miles of county forest begin. And I can take that app, and it's pretty sharp. It, it lays out the property boundaries. You can hit on it. shows who owns it, uh, their name, contact information. Might not be a bad app for having if you wanted to find out who do I ask permission to hunt. And in um, that one as well, I was able to poo, enter, enter like uh, icons on that, that app where I could enter the icon on the border of my property and I also put put icons by some hidden trails that I found when I was out scouting so that's called hunt stand and that one you know like I said that one do a ton of different things on it that one you paid for the free one was hunt wild and that was from the DNR and uh, that would show you all the state hunting uh, land prop you know available and uh, also gives you other information. I think it shows you the species as well. I'm trying to recall. I haven't used it since I was out hunting last year, uh, but I think it lets you know which uh, species are where on those public lands or planted where you could find where they're planting the pheasants, I believe. But anyway, it's free. You might as well go for it. So hunt wild and uh, good luck with that, Mr. T. Got a question for you, Danny. Yeah. Uh, how do you get to these apps? Do you go to the DNR website or what do you do? Well, the hunt stand one, I just uh, I went online and just uh, just ordered it, what? ordered it that where? way. What's that? When you say okay. you went online, online where? I mean, 
I just go I just typed online? in hunt stand. So that was just, the one I okay, let me slow down. I'll answer all, all your questions here. The hunt wild one, just go to the DNR website and I'm sure you can find it there. Because that's a free app okay. from the, go from to the, the DNR. DNR website, okay. Yeah, yeah. If that's what you're asking. The hunt stand one, uh, I might have even gotten an email, a solicitation to get it. I can't remember how I bought that, but Again, if you Googled Hunt Stand and you wanted to purchase it, um, I'm sure you sure you could get it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we got another email. This is from Dan. He says, the CO2 is compressed, causing it to change the state from gas to solid. When using, it's best to have the dry ice in a closed container that will allow the CO2 to expand as it sublimes. I packed newspaper, the packaging, I don't know how he's saying this. He says, I packed newspaper, the packaging, to take up space. So that's what Dan says about dry ice. Tom, Thank you're you, breaking Dan. up on, on my end. I couldn't, um, I couldn't hear you here. Oh. That's funny. Okay. He's all right on this end, so I'm not. You want to try reconnecting, Bushy? What's that? He sounds good on this end. Uh, do you want to try reconnecting your app? Oh, you're 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 breaking up as well now. It's weird. Yeah. Tom, you're good. Yeah. Okay. Well, Danny, um, Sam says you should try to re reconnect. Uh, yep, we're gonna reconnect with him real quick. Okay. Good. <laughs> well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, while they're reconnecting, uh, we were talking for a while there about uh, Florida fishing and you know ocean fishing and and of course in muskie fishing. Um, yeah, that, that, that you know for those of you who, who have never done it, it's uh, it's you know a little bit of an art form when you're using suckers for muskies. If you got any questions, you can always call us at 414-799-1250 or email us at ceoguys at yahoo.com. But talking about that Florida fishing, my son Nick, he goes down every year and uh, with his family, they do a vacation down there. And it's funny, like he catches a lot of these fish uh, called pompano, which are really good eating, and all his fishing is done from shore. Surf fishing, they call it. And uh, as a matter of fact, both, uh, the last couple of years, he's caught a decent shark. Now, last year, he caught a, a six-foot shark, and he let it go. This year, he I think it was called a black tip, I think. And this year, he caught a four-foot black tip shark. But this time, he kept it, and uh, he said it tasted really good. He said, man, they ate that sucker up that week, you know. You know but there's, there's a lot. What? Hello? You know, yeah, uh, you know who oh. does a lot of shark fishing, Tom? Who? I heard an interview with him years ago when he was first retired, and they said, what do you do with your free time? And he says, oh, I like to go out and uh, fish, uh, shore fish for shark. John Gruden. Well, oh, really? I guess he's got, he, yeah, I guess he's got lots of time to fish for shark now. <laughs> yes, he does, yeah. But, yeah, I'll tell you, I, I wish he would have brought some of that shark meat home. Uh, he brought some of the pompano home, you know, that when we had a fish fry this summer. Uh, but I wish you'd have brought some of that shark meat home. Guess what, Tom? Mm. Shark, shark meat, high in mercury as well. 
Oh, really? That one, too, huh? Yep. Boy, is yeah. anything good for us nowadays? I don't know. Don't worry, Tom. <laughs> All the other bad habits you got, something, something else will get you. You could eat shark every day from now for the rest of your life, and it won't be the mercury. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Probably won't be. Probably not. Yeah. But, so. uh... Well, that shore fishing, uh, my uh, one of my uh, red assistant principal at my uh, high school, which I retired from, he goes down to Miami area, I believe, and he's an expert shore fisherman. That he's surf fisherman. He does it. He's like an expert. He's got it all figured out. He'll use these big ten and twelve foot rods and stick them in the rod holders in the sand and sit there in a lawn chair and. He's got, he explained how, we're, that you got to cast out into a certain area because apparently the way the surf and waves kind of wash, that there's kind of like a, uh, a trough or something, kind of like a break where, where, the, um, where the water, you know, it, it's, it's drops down deep. Something like, it's like a, you got to cast right there and then it's kind of sounds like it's, like it's under a current area where maybe there's a little divot you know, lower area that the, and then the, then the uh, surf and stuff goes over and those fish lay right in there, kind of out of the current, like a trout behind a rock or something. He explains, it's hard for me to explain, but he knows exactly where you got to launch. And they use big, giant, whatever, three-ounce sinkers and try and lob those casts out about 100 yards or so and, and get them out there. And, uh, and, yeah, he catches all kinds of stuff there. He gets some pretty incredible fishing, I guess. Uh, one of the weird things that happened a few years back... Uh, he was uh, fishing with his, uh, they were him, him and uh, his brother-in-laws were down there too, their families. And him and his brother-in-law, what they would do is they'd walk out into the surf, walk out in the water. And he said, we walked out a ways and it, it got down to like our waist, but then it came up like there was a little sandbar. Then it came up a little ways. And uh, he says, we're standing out there. And he, I guess they were a little ways out into the ocean. And the one mistake that they did, well, his brother-in-law did, is that they were catching these smaller fish, and I forget, maybe they, they were these pompano or whatever, but they were catching these smaller fish, and his brother-in-law was putting them on a stringer that was hanging from his waist. Oh, that's well, not a good idea. No, because you know what happened. The sharks came in and were trying to grab the fish that were hanging from his waist. He said, uh, well, he, he, he let the sharks have the fish, and him and his brother-in-law ran like hell back to the shore. <laughs> good, so, good thing he wasn't wading naked, or that might not might, might not have been all they got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, so just, you, you, you know, you learn, I guess, when you're down there, what not to do, what to do and what not to do, and don't hang yeah, that, fish from your belt. <laughs> yeah, that one, uh, yeah, that one's not good. No, that would not be good. You gotta be careful because you know those sharks. They don't, you know, they don't know what, you know. I mean, when they're biting stuff to eat, you know. I mean, heck, you never know what they could bite. Apparently, you know? there's speaking of shark shark fishing. Apparently, there's some guy. Uh, my buddy knew of him and uh, had heard and read reports of him. He's like kind of the shark guy down there by the Destin area, and I think he caught like a 16 or 17 inch tiger shark. Um, he uh, he's been I think he's been working with the Discovery Channel as far as possibly uh, whatever doing some research type thing. And I talked to the one guy on the pier. You remember the good old guy who was getting new teeth? The guy who was in jail for 55 days. He goes, Oh yeah, that was my buddy. I grew up with him. 
yeah, and uh, of course he knows the shark guy there. And he said something crazy. I think this guy would have, uh, he'd, he'd use like a remote control boat uh, or, or, or drone or something like that to, to, send, to send his bait way on out and drop it off there. And then, then he'd fish, I don't know, from a pier or shore or whatever with a large capacity reel. Some crazy type of thing he was trying to tell me. He had a southern accent, and half the time I, I could only get, understand about half of what he said. But something about that. And uh, so definitely some fascinating fishing. You know what? I talked to the captain that I was with. And he said, everybody wants to catch a shark. Uh, I guess, you know, Joe Schmo, pe- people who aren't even fishermen say, oh, I want to catch a shark. Uh, I don't know about you, Tom. I, I really don't, I, I don't, I do not want to catch a shark. That's never been on my bucket list. No, I couldn't care less. I mean, yeah. if I was down there and fishing and I caught one, okay, fine. But I, I didn't, I wouldn't care. I, it would have been nice before I got bit off with my amberjack, um, uh, you know, before, you know, because my crabby guide didn't tell me I have to horse the fish in, in advance. Um, I, it would have been cool just to see the shark grab it. You know, that would have been cool. That yeah. would have been really neat. And when we videotaped it, the other thing we goofed up is uh, Troy was videoing with my phone. We didn't swing the head over and get a close-up of the head because, I mean, it was a head about the size of a 30-pound king salmon and it was bit off right at the neck. It was it was really something to see. To imagine something just getting bit off just like that. You hear stories about that. Uh, I guess the trip was worth it just to actually see that, because uh, that's something uh, something to see, man. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, listen, we got one more break coming up. Last break of the day, folks. So you want to stay tuned? We got a few more things coming up before we wrap this baby up. So stay tuned for more with Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer, and the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are in the final minutes of our show. And, Tama, uh, one other thing I wanted to tell you about. Um, I, I told you that I had ordered those rods and reels to be delivered yeah, to my friend. Never. Okay. Interesting story and maybe a, a, a word of caution to our listeners as well based on this experience. So I had ordered it through Amazon, and Amazon then got it through a third party. So it basically gave me information on this company that was going to ship it. So I still ordered and paid through Amazon, but it sounded like a third party shipping it. They must have contacts. So they said it's going to be a couple of weeks. And then last week, um, I get an email from them that uh, the package was delivered Tuesday at 9.52 a.m. and left on the front porch. So I contact my buddy down there and he says, we didn't get anything. So I said, well, I had to have got it. See, so then he, he didn't think. He called me back a day. He says, well, I'll wait a day. You know, maybe they couldn't. Uh, he says, maybe it'll show up, whatever. So a day later, he goes, don't have it. He said, I just thought of this. I got security cameras, and the neighbors have security cameras. So he's talking to all his neighbors. Everybody's looking at their cameras to see if they see a truck, a delivery truck even show up. Nothing shows up. So I email uh 
Amazon, or I look at the tracking information, and Amazon says if you have a question or a problem, you're supposed to contact that seller. So I sent them an email saying, hey, never got it. And then, even though Amazon said contact them, I did email Amazon and said, hey, never got it. Uh, within, I don't know how many hours, within 12 hours, probably less, I get emails from, uh, from both. The third-party seller, oh, we do not have that item in stock. And I get the email from Amazon, yeah, uh, was unable to ship, we'll, uh, we are refunding you. So how in the heck could they have given me a tracking that showed that it was delivered at 9.52 on what day and where it was left on the porch it sounds to me like a like a like if you don't say anything, you never get a refund. Is that is that delivery company or is that third party? Are they just are they just lying and saying it was delivered and hoping you don't say anything so you don't get a refund? Because how can you say it was delivered when all of a sudden it wasn't ever in stock to begin with? You know something that like that happened to me last year. Now I don't remember where I ordered something from, but they said basically it was the same thing. They they said it was delivered, and I, I look out on my porch, there's nothing there. So I contacted them, and I didn't hear back from them, but the next day it showed up. So it's like, you know, I, you know sometimes you got to wonder, with all this stuff being flown around and driven around this country, I can see where things get screwed up, you know. Well, really can't. Well, 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 the thing is, they lied about it and said oh, it was yeah. delivered. So yeah. that's a scam. That's a scam. Now, the thing that I initially worried about, and this is going on a lot, I'm sure, of our listeners, is, you know, there's people that are stealing packages. Oh, yeah, off, that's happening a lot, yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing that I did have happen years ago, and uh, this might be helpful to some, in that I had a package that it was, it was something only like 30 bucks, and it was supposedly delivered here at my place. Now, I can't remember if it was U.S. mail. I think it was U.S. mail. I think it was U.S. mail that actually, that one. I don't think it was a UPS or Federal Express. And uh, we checked with the post office, and uh, yeah, well, it looked like it was delivered, but I never got it. So I actually contacted my credit card company initially, and uh, and they, they wanted to pursue it because I'd paid with the credit card. And, and, and I actually ended up telling them, look, um, I checked with the post office. I guess maybe it was delivered. Maybe someone took it. I said, it's only $30. I don't care. Forget about it. And the credit card company said, no, no, no. We, we want to pursue this. And a month later, I heard back from the credit card company, and they, they said, we got your refund. So uh, your credit card company might stand by you in the event that you have something disappear like that. Yeah, what I don't understand is uh, FedEx, UPS, DoorDash, whoever. Uh, when they deliver something, when they take it up to your door and leave it on your porch, why don't they ring the doorbell or at least knock? I mean, if you're home, you hear that. Oh, okay, you go out and you check, and there it is. You know, but they won't even they won't even ring a doorbell or knock. Whereas the 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 U.S. Postal Service, if they got to bring something to your door, they'll ring the doorbell or knock. You know. But these other car carriers, they, they don't. And you have no clue if something's out there or not unless you look every now and then, you know, if you're yeah. expecting something. 
I don't know. I, you know what? I'm not going to put, I'm not going to criticize the, the delivery guys because I respect those guys. Those guys, when I see them, I don't care if it's Federal Express, UPS, whatever. Those guys are busting their hump delivering packages. And, uh, you know, they're not sitting at home getting free money from the government. They're out there working hard. So uh, those are the guys that I really appreciate, uh, you know, how hard they're working because they got to keep, keep, keep pumping, man. They got to keep moving. Yeah, they do. That's for sure. Without a doubt. Hey, I got some information here, uh, bear hunting. I was talking bear hunting. I was up there with my friend Jeff, and he could have harvested several bear, but he was holding out for a big one. He'd shot bear before, so he didn't have to just shoot any old bear. Uh, the final numbers are in on the harvest. Numbers are down a little uh, compared to last year. Uh, there was 3,802 bears shot this year compa compared to 4,306 taken last year. Um, overall hunter success, uh, you know, typically I've always said it's 50% or more. Well, statewide hunter success was 32%, but it kind of depends on the zone. It, they've rezoned it this year, Tom. They've added zones and changed and bear some, because some of the bears are starting to move south. They've now got the one, two, three, uh, six zones, A through F. And if you hunted in zone F, you had an 8% success ratio. Uh, although there was only a harvest quota of 30 bears, you know, for that area. Um, but if you hunted zone A where I did, uh, they actually got over the quota. The harvest quota was 1,100. The, uh, the preliminary harvest numbers right now say 1,227. Uh, so they, uh, they upped the harvest uh, over the quota by 127. Uh, so, and a hunter success rate of 62%. So zones A and B are the zones you want to be in. Zone A, 62%. B is 56%. Uh, so I'm hoping I get that tight tag next year for zone A, Tom. Uh, I may have to be calling you in with a big bear story. Yeah, that's probably right. Well, I hear the music playing. You hear the music. I don't yeah. hear anything. Do you talk to dead people? Do you see dead people too, Tom? No, not no. recently. Not recently. <laughs> Not recently. Well, it is. Well, it is Halloween, and uh, I'm thinking today is the day the little the little tots will be out because it's Saturday. So I don't think they'll do it tomorrow. Some, um, some it depends on what community you live in. Some do. Or it, some my, kids. My grandkids so, are doing it today in one community and tomorrow in another. So. And then you got some kids probably double dipping, changing costumes, and doing it both days. Shrewd, yeah, why not? very shrewd. Why go, not? So go get them, kids. All right, that's all I got, Danny. That's all I got, Tom. To all the listeners, thanks for listening, and God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. Happy Halloween, and now is the time to get the midnight big bucks, my friends. We'll talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.